0: Entrepreneur's Circle is an On Air Brands production and a proud member of the On Air Brands network. Hi, this is James Alpsucher. Th- thank you for listening to Eric Cabral's Entrepreneur Circle. On this episode.
1: Real estate is one vehicle. It's a vehicle that you use to learn numbers and you learn business best practices. You can apply that literally to a business that is like a mom and pop. Where wealth creation makes long-term wealth is business ecosystems.
2: Hey there, folks. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Entrepreneur Circle podcast, where we inspire you by talking to entrepreneurs and business owners about mindset, goals, vision, tips and strategies on how to crush life and business. I am your host, Eric Cabral, real estate investor and a creative I've been in the creative industry for over 20 years, got my start in New York City as a junior art director, and made my way up the corporate ladder to become the creative director at the number one pharma company in the world. That was until I decided to hang up my corporate hat and start my own creative agency called On Air Brands, where we broadcast your brand and your message using social media and live stream events. Hit us up at info at onairbrands.com to learn more. Also, like subscribe, and share this podcast on social. We greatly appreciate you for it. And also don't hesitate to send us any feedback that you may have because we always love, love, love hearing from you. Before we jump into the show, I'd like to share what some of our sponsors, partners, and friends of the show have to offer you. Welcome back, folks, and thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Entrepreneur's Circle. I got an amazing dude here, our brother from down under, uh, Reed Goosens. Welcome to the show, man.
1: G'day, mate. Thanks for having me on the show.
2: Yeah, it's uh, it's been an absolute pleasure knowing you. Uh, we got to chat on your show not too long ago, but let me give a quick primer to the audience, and then we'll jump into your story. So Reed Goosens is an investor. He's a best-selling author and entrepreneur and host to the Investing in the U.S. podcast, which I had the pleasure of being a guest on. I highly recommend checking that out. What I love about Reed is um, you came to this country with barely anything in your pocket, right? Knowledge, capital, relationships, all of that had to be established, right? Right. When When you got here. So this is a really intriguing story to me. And I'm sure our listeners as well. So yeah, let's 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 jump in, man. Let's tell us sure. tell us what inspired you to just pick it, pick up and go.
1: Well, so the whole story starts back in. Uh, so I graduated university in 2007 as a structural engineer. Uh, went in 2008, went straight to London and worked on the 2012 Olympic Games as a structural engineer. In 2009, my visa ran out and I went to the south of France and started gallivanting around the south of France, working on the mega super yachts uh, for the wealthy billionaires of the world. And during that time, I met my then girlfriend, now wife, Erica, who's American on the beaches of San Sebastian in Spain. Uh, so we remained in contact. Uh, I went back to work on the super yachts. I, I, I cruised across the Atlantic Ocean. I did a whole season with, with this particular boat and then went backpacking around America at the end of 2009, fell in love with New York, fell in love with this girl, moved back to Australia. And I was like, oh, okay, I need to do something for my life. You know, I just spent two years abroad and that was a real impetus to go, okay, how does someone pay me to live my life? And that's when I stumbled across the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. That's when I went back to my engineering job and thought I cannot be working in this in this cubicle for the next 40 years of my life. I had more to give, right? And that's the whole point of what entrepreneurs do. They they, they have more to give, but they don't know what it, was, what it is that they want to give. And so for me, it felt like, I didn't even know what the word entrepreneur meant back in 2009, 2010, and it was that book Richard put out that really was the aha moment. Um, so for the next two years in Australia, I sort of started to self educate myself. Was still working as a full time engineer. Erica had moved out to Australia to do some some study in Aussie, and then at the end of 2011, I was like, screw this, I want to live in New York. Have I still got to chase the rat race, let's go live in New York City because I really love New York City. You're American, you'll be able to find an easy job. I've got an Australian passport. Uh, visas are quite all easier to get. So quit my job in Australia and moved halfway across the world. And and that was that was the start of 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 the whole like wanting to move to America piece. And I'm sure we'll get into the the nuts and bolts of of how that you know evolved into to what I've got today. It's amazing, man. It's 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 truly
2: inspiring because oftentimes as as Americans we take for granted where we are and what we have and the opportunities that are at our fingertips. Um, oftentimes, and I had to, I had to move away from, from the people that had this mindset, but being the victim, feeling like you're entitled to things and, and oftentimes you'll, you've noticed walking around and I'm sure in Australia, they're the same type of folks, but you know, to see someone from another country come here, it's truly inspiring because if you can do it, you know, we can do it. Anyone can really do it. It's really just your mindset, your passion, your drive, to achieve and 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 meeting you and 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 meeting you when when we were chatting earlier before we met in person and and, and I was on your show you could feel the energy through the screen you know and and I, I of course felt it when when we were all together at Podmax so um, can you tell folks what is it that um, you know what yeah here I want to rewind a little bit so when when you had the idea. And you were telling your friends and family, can you remember the people that just completely thought you were crazy and said, why are you doing this? It's so risky. Like, how would how, what was your response to that?
1: So for those folks who don't know many Australians, because Australia is so isolated, we are well, at least the circle that I was raised in, my family was always encouraged me to go traveling and have many girlfriends and not settle too early and all that sort of stuff. So, having this American girlfriend and then like, okay, let's move back to the United States was sort of a little bit like, oh, okay. But it was also came with a with part of getting your stripes, so to speak. You know, it's it's part of most Australians. A lot of Aussies go abroad because Australia is very isolated, and so it was just another challenge that I wanted to challenge myself in my mid twenties. And, and at the end of the day, Eric, it's it was about backing myself. You know, the whole thing that I now know, but looking back, I can very much pinpoint is the fear of regret. The fear that if I did not go out and take action on this particular journey that I wanted to go, and if I'd failed, I would come back and just be an engineer in Australia. That's the worst case scenario, right? And so... I would rather have gone out and given a crack, give it a go, than be sitting at 80 years of age going, gosh, I wish I moved to the United States back in when I was 26. <laughs> so that is really what drives me as a human being. I'm also very much a, a person who likes uncertainty. I like the fact that it's it's challenging, it's it's gives you goosebumps when you're moving to a new country. It was, and, and don't get me wrong, it was tough. It was tough on our relationship. It was tough on just finding a job. It was all the, all the things that that come with moving halfway across the world. It wasn't easy by any stretch of the means, but you had to make it happen. And you you learn to flex the muscle of backing yourself and taking a bet on yourself. And if you can't do that, then who the hell can you back in, in life? And that's really where it started from. And this whole idea of learning to back yourself and learning to back your intuition, learning to back your gut, and knowing that you might not have the answers today, but you have the resolve to go out and figure it out because you're smart, you're healthy, and you just know that whatever you're going to do, it's going to work out and it's going to be okay. That's, that's I think, the the, the, the the crux of it and the bottom line of what, when I went out on this journey, it was really just to come to America to be an expat for a couple of years. I had no idea that I wanted to get in, you know, obviously I had an idea of wanting to be my own boss and be in, in, in a real estate entrepreneur, but I didn't realize America would have the keys to the kingdom, so to speak. So So, yeah.
2: Yeah. So I love that. And when, when you decided to do it and you pulled the trigger, so you hadn't decided to be become a real estate investor yet, what, what were sort of the things that you envisioned were going to be your means you know, and, and, and way to, to make money?
1: Yeah, well, so when I first moved to the United States, I, um, I knew I had to have a job, right? So structural engineer is what was my, my, my profession is or was at the time. And so what I did was to get a job, I was nervous. You know. I knew that there was this visa out there for Australians. Um, if you had a white collar job, Offer you could get a two-year visa, so I thought, okay, the first step I needed to do was get a get a job. So what I did was instead of like putting my resume out online and and having these these, these barriers of HR people looking at my resume, and going, oh, he's he's he, you know he's, he's educated in Australia, um, you know they're going to just immediately throw it in the trash. So I I went and donned a suit and pounded the pavement into all the small engineering firms in New York City until someone said yes. And I went and I literally went probably into thirty or forty different places and eventually someone said yes. And that was that was what made me different, and and having that different approach to 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 problem solving, knowing that just putting my resume on Indeed.com was not going to work, um, and I needed to be different and get in front of someone, and then they could see that my hustle. And I actually ended up working for a, a Russian uh, Jewish fella who you know was an expat and I had all expats working for him. So it was sort of just like this sort of real kismet type of I was an expat as well, and. It, my my fears of oh no one's going to hire me because of the visa thing was was gone w- really dissolved in a split second when he was like yeah of course yeah you're you're hardworking like me you're an expat let's go so that was that was the sort of the first uh, achievement I needed to do and I and I achieved that pretty much within two months of, of moving to to New York City because everyone in New York City is a boiling pot of of, of expats of people from around the world so that was the first thing to keep the roof to to stay there and and, and live my expat life was to get that first job. And that's what I did.
2: Yeah, that's that's brilliant, man. I'm curious when you were visiting those 30, 40 jobs, how many of them were sort of cold calling or just showing up or or were they familiar with? Did they at least have your resume somewhere in a pile? No, it was literally showing up.
1: Wow. (laughs) So you made a list. knocking on the door. And, 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 and here's the other thing Because if, if you know New York City or If you listen to New York City Some buildings have that security on the first level And so getting past that There was a lot of no's Just at that, that level right So you had to sort of Oh I've got a meeting with so and so It's like Who you got a meeting with Uh, uh, You don't have a meeting <laughs> 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 And some of them were really nice And were just like Look I know what you're trying to do um, But I can't let you up And so then I learned not to go. If it had a big near you know like uh forty second street type of address, I wouldn't go to that type or or it's on the fifty second floor. I know there'd be security, so I'd have to go to some smaller engineering joints and eventually got you know got the job. so or wow. got a job. so that's so, yeah. amazing.
2: That's amazing. That's gold right there. I mean, if we just stop recording, <clears throat> you know folks, pay attention to what Reed did there because uh, he showed up. Regardless of what the outcome was gonna be. And to me, it's always an and my my business partner Josh McCallan often chuckles when I bring these times up because he didn't experience this the way I did. And and that's a piece of advice right there. Get numb to the nose. Because um, in order for you to achieve or accomplish or get through the door like Reed, uh, you have to just try and you have to ask,
1: right? Because if you if you don't ask, you won't know, right? And that, that, that one yes will change your life yeah. eventually.
2: I love it. I love it. That's, that's brilliant. So I am curious though, speaking of relationships here. So what was the, the status of your relationship with Erica at the time? And then how did you transition? Cause there's a lot of things happening from moving, you know, across the globe to now committing your life to a, for, for, to one person. I'm, I'm sure there was a lot happening at the same time, a lot of fear and a lot of uh, anxiety and a lot of things that you had to deal with. Um, and I'm curious how that all sort of fused in, 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 in a timeline.
1: So, so when Erica was in Australia, she was at a university about a five-hour drive away from me for, for about a year and a half. And so we would do weekend trips and she, she eventually came and moved in with me in Brisbane before we left for about three or four months. Did you originally meet in America? No, we originally met in Spain. And then as I returned to Australia she just coincidentally happened to have applied for university in Australia for a master's degree. Brilliant. And so but so there was a very brief period of time where we actually were living under the same roof and we're boyfriend and girlfriend. And so now moving, you know, put that on steroids and moved to New York City trying to find a job. We were both trying to find jobs, trying to find an apartment, um, just just moving halfway across the world with all that crap. And and, and yet she was American, so she was only moving from LA. But it was still a big leap. And that put a lot of stress on the relationship. And uh, early on, it was... Figuring out, out each other out. Now, now the thing that I will say is that people in this situation, I love, I, I love this, I love this woman. I do love this woman. But you know, people in that, that situation may have have to be forced into get married for the green card because of their partner may need to stay in the, in the country. For me, I was very fortunate that I could have my visa through my job, well, through a job, and that didn't force the hand of marriage, and thus we could just let the relationship evolve naturally over time. And so, yes, it was stressful getting to New York, but once we got set up. And once we got friends, and once we got jobs, it was it was just we're just gonna date. You know, we're living in the same house, but let's let's foster animals. Let's you know go on dates. Let's make new friends. Let's like go tri- all these little trips to Puerto Rico and all this sort of stuff. So it started to just evolve naturally as a normal relationship. Um, but it was some 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 you know, I'd say dark times. But there were some challenging times at the beginning where. You know, any, moving across the world and moving to a new city with anyone and you hadn't lived with them, you're going to you're going to start butting heads. Right. And and particularly in a tiny one bedroom New York apartment. <laughs> so, yeah, it was it was it was a challenging uh, to say the least.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I imagine that, um, you know, there's a lot going on, you know, a lot of change happening at the same time. So it's great that you guys were able to navigate through those waters and and and, you know, basically start living your happily ever after, which is great um congratulations so um so yeah so walk us through the the realization you know the the purple pill the Kiyosaki book and then the 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 steps and the stepping stones to becoming you know to getting to your first deal your second and then all of a sudden realizing oh my god i i am a real estate
1: professional well so th- th- as i said the journey started in australia so i was attending Aussie real estate events and just some of those people out there listening to this show Australia is nowhere near as sophisticated when it comes to the events that are organized, you know, from rears to your PodMax to just the access to information. When I first moved to the United States, you know, the, the the stuff I'd pay 20 or 30 bucks to go to a Saturday seminar in America. I learned so much where I'd have to pay thousands of dollars to a guru in Australia. And there was like one event, you know, once a month in my, in my home city. So I was definitely planning on doing something in Australia when I was when I was in that learning stage in sort of 2010 2011 but then really wanted to still move back overseas. So it was sort of came kind to of that point of like well do I spend money on buying a flip or you know a lease option or something to get started in the Australian real estate market or do I just you know back myself and let's go to go to, go to America and we decided to go to America. When I when I landed in America I realized very quickly that I needed to get to some real estate networking events and I went on meetup.com Realized this thing called real estate investment associations REIs, and I went to the New York REA, and it was literally like taking information out of a fire hose. And and I thought Aussie had some great you know networking events, but this was on steroids. This is the Big Apple, right? This is fast talking Americans who I had no idea what they're talking about cap rates, IRRs, all the cash on cash. I was like, what the hell? <laughs> and but through that, I was able to meet people that were in the same situation as I, working full time. Uh, I think I was like within two weeks, literally being fresh off the boat. I was at my first rear event and um, met a ton of people there. And really, within a quick, short period of time, because at that time, Eric, I'd been educating for about two years now. I'd saved some money. I I'd come to the United States. I didn't come to the United States with, with zero dollars. I had about thirty or forty thousand bucks. And it's like, okay, I'm sick of. I was. I me- I remember vividly on the train, on the subway, going to work. No, stuck in a book and going, okay, it's been two years of this self-educating. I'm smart enough. I've developed my own spreadsheets. I'm an engineer. Like I've got this. The only way I'm going to start learning more is actually going and doing it. Like stop, you know, there was analysis paralysis to the point. So I had to look at what funds I had. I had to, uh, you know, and and, and I'll, I'll remind your listeners that when I first moved to the United States, I had no idea what, what a credit score was, you know, so I had to develop a credit score. I had no idea what an EIN number was. I had no idea what an LLC was. So having to change my mind in and around how to invest here in the united states compared to where i came from was a was a learning process for the first probably 6 months as, anyway um but very quickly i found okay well hang on there's these properties for less than $50,000 in within a driving distance from new york city that is ridiculous like you would never find these cheaper properties and i really understood this value of cheap properties in america which had, would Nowhere would have existed in Australia. Like you can't get into a property for less than two hundred thousand dollars, and it would you'd be barely cash flowing if you can cash flow. and It's in a pretty crappy area that wouldn't have any growth. Um, but similar to you know to where in my situation, I was like, well, I've got this thirty or forty thousand bucks. I'm gonna to have to go out and try and do something. And then when I saw these really cheap properties for 40000 bucks, I was like, "No way!" And I picked a market, or and it was just it happened just to be within a, a within a bus ride away from from New York City, which was Syracuse, New York. And I used to get on the on the Greyhound on a Saturday morning, go up to Syracuse, get picked up by the local brokers, getting drove around these these sort of Section Eight housing type of Class D projects. And eventually, over a period of six months, I, I bought a triplex for thirty-eight thousand dollars. I, I developed a relationship with uh, the local bank um, to show them that hey, I'm depositing rental checks. And over a period of time, I was able to take that, that cash and they gave me a line of credit, and I was about to buy deal number two. But I got very much started in this small, you know. Rougher areas, um, to so to speak, and, and I had lessons along the way. We can talk about those lessons, um, but it got me started. Right, I, I didn't, I couldn't get to deal number ten without doing that first deal, deal number one. So it was really, really important. But I, but but I just chose somewhere where I could afford, and I got on Greyhound buses probably for three or four months um, in, in a row until I found something that that sort of was was good on paper, and um, and I, I pressed, I pulled the trigger. So so yeah,
2: that's that's brilliant, man. That's good stuff. I love it. Yeah, you you gotta you gotta break the seal, right? You gotta you gotta do the first deal, and once that's done, barriers, you know, especially the mental barriers are 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 broken down, and now you have the confidence and and knowing that, hey, I can I can accomplish this, I can accomplish anything, I could keep doing it. You know, I was talking to a, uh, an investor yesterday, and she's taking down her first deal. You know, it's taken months, and her her closing is in a couple of weeks. Now with all this, all that's happening in the world, I said, there's always going to be something happening. There's always going to be a reason. There's always going to be an economic shift. There's always going to be some reason that you're going to want to pull away with the fear take over. And she's like, you're right. You're right. I said, just keep going forward and, and, and let everything happen and experience it because that's how you're going to learn. So I, I love it. I love. So you took down your first deal. So you mentioned that there's some lessons learned. Was it from that mm-hmm. first deal that you were thinking yes. about? Yeah, yeah. Yes. Bring, bring, give it to us. <laughs> give it to us.
1: A uh, fresh-faced Australian, not really understanding what a ghetto was. That's probably the. the <laughs> yeah. yeah. What are you? Six foot two, six three. <laughs> it was. Yeah, I stood out like a little bit of a sore thumb, but it was it was more to do with Section Eight housing, not understanding that part of it, and 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 really eggs in one basket. Like, under looking back. You know, for anyone who's looking to get involved in cheaper properties, that you can make money. You just maybe need to buy more than one. (laughs) And I had all sort of that that one property, and and then one of the we had we had drive by shooting because one of the sons of the tenant was in a gang. It was a whole thing, but it really made me look. For the first six months, it was great. It was It was cash flowing, and then but then it you know it was an it was a cap rate of a twelve or thirteen percent. You know you know I now understand why it was a cap rate of a twelve or thirteen percent. It was never going to appreciate, but it got me going, and that was where having these sort of skins on your knees to get started I was willing to risk my own money in order to do that and that wasn't the most important thing and that was it was my money in the deal it was only my money and I was willing to put it at risk and it wasn't at risk ever it was just that I had to learn a few things along the way like property management how am I going to attract right property managers when they're only making seven percent on you know a thousand bucks a month like it's it's this sort of understanding of how to make money in these sort of lesser neighborhoods class section uh, class d neighborhoods but it got me into deal number two and that deal number two got me into a flip deal in philadelphia and that got me into understanding syndication and really you know and and then scaling the business to what it is today so it starts from nothing but you can literally learn along the way and if i was to stop on that first deal i wouldn't wouldn't be sitting here talking to you about about the awesome journey so so yeah
0: on-air brands has changed the game. There'll never be a day from here forward when you and I and our companies don't need to be on the air. Every brand needs to be on the air, but so few know that. So it's great to work with a group that are ahead of the curve and to find a company that has been built on the core foundation of the future of marketing. If you're ready to broadcast your brand like they've done for my brands, take the next step and make a change that can transform your business. Reach out to On Air Brands today. That's onairbrands.com. Yes, onairbrands.com.
2: Let's let's talk about this. Uh, this is this is a good segue into scaling business, which is something that I love to talk about because I, I want to learn. You know, I'm always scaling, as I mentioned earlier. Um, so when when you transition from you know getting these smaller uh, multifamilies and you wanted to get bigger deals. Involve potential partners. Uh, what, w- what did that look like? How was that transition mentally, and then also you know physically in the business?
1: Yeah. So the, the the second aha moment in my life was at the end of 2013. I had a couple of properties in upstate New York and Syracuse. Sitting in New York City at a bar with my buddy Scott from Canada, who I had went to university with in Australia. He was an engineer as well, um, and he and I was sort of boasting a little bit about oh, I've got these you know a couple of properties in upstate New York. I'm about to buy a flip property in Philadelphia you know i'm i'm living the dream and you know not obviously not not actually financially free cuz i'm still working full time and he's like man that's awesome that's so that's so great and then he goes oh, i just i just closed on a 70 unit deal and i said 70 like 70 and he's like yeah 70 and i said how the hell did you do that and he told me about you know the power of other people's money he got he had a coach uh, he got seller carry back financing on a pro, on the on a property and he was able to raise uh, about a half a million bucks um, from friends and family, um, and he was working full-time, so he had a well-paying job um and he was able to raise a little bit of money and 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 do the same things that I was doing on the small triplexes and duplexes, which was go in, spend five to ten thousand bucks, increase the rent one hundred dollars a month, but he had this scale portion piece of it. And that was I'd you know been reading about this piece and trying to scale the business and and understand that was the direction I knew I was going in. but it took having that meeting. That wow, Scott can do it. If Scott can do it, I can do it. I've moved halfway across the world. You know, screw this. How do I, how do I go out and, and make it happen? And that was really, he said it was the, the, the coach, the mentor, that that really helped him um get, you know, learn things that he didn't know and give him the permission to go out and take those risks, educated risks and, and calculated risks. So that was the next step. It was about finding a coach um, and, and, and getting that credibility to take that leap from small triplexes and duplexes into the larger, larger, um, business of, 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 commercial multifamily. So that, that, that it's as simple as that. It was as simple as that, but there was a long journey in, in between, you know, doing that and then going out and actually doing the first deal. So,
2: yeah. So, so take us back. So you, so the aha moment was, wow, I need to commit to a coach. Did you have someone in mind?
1: No, I didn't. And I was, but, but it had been too many, you know I love the Kiyosaki brand the rich dad brand but I've been to many, many seminars that I probably would have spent that first 38,000 dollars on just one mentor <laughs> so I was very frugal with my money I I I was you know had a very modest income in New York City um so I was just very conscious of what I wanted to do and I also wanted to align myself with someone who was roughly you know in and around my age mid 30 you know I was in my late 20s at that stage but but you know in these 30s um a gentleman by the name of Joe Fairless. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people know who Joe is But I was sort of one of his second or third students back in the day. And so, um, and that was, he was cheap, right? And that's all I wanted. He was cheap, but he done one deal, tick, tick, let's go. So, and it was, but it was more than the the physical handing over that money that I was backing, again, learning to back myself and say, I'm going to invest in my education because I knew I needed this. And that's when I liquidated those properties in upstate New York, because I knew I needed the cash to, to be ready for something else or to grow the business. Um, so through Joe, uh, it was more just a sounding board, but through that I knew I had to create uh, an audience, right? And and because of my learning and coming to America, figuring out what the hell an LLC was, understanding there was incredible opportunities here, and yet looking out on the podcasting sphere that there was no one talking to the international investor. Yet when I opened my my mug, uh, I had this accent, so I thought. Well, let's let's talk, let's start talking to the international folks about the benefits of investing here in the United States. And that's where the podcast investing in the US came from. And it was really niching at the beginning to only speaking to international folks. And over the last four and a half years it's pivoted. But at the beginning it was, and again, I'm I'm an engineer, I'm a black and white brain type of guy, and I had no gray and I had no idea about this podcast thing. Putting myself out there, interviewing folks. I think Joe was like my first interviewee, but I, but he was a he was a guy that was sort of giving me the permission to go out and do it. And from there, it scaled, and I was able to attract an audience. And through that, I was able to partner with him on some of his deals. Uh, and through that, I was able to get the 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 confidence to go out and start raising capital from investors. And then, and this is happening over a long period of time. Don't don't get me wrong; it didn't just happen overnight. At the same time, from a pro- professional point of view, I made a pivot, a mental pivot that I have had to stay in the the workforce for an ex- a longer period of time because I I had the visa issues. I didn't have a green card at the time, and I need to keep you know food on the table. Uh, you know, about it was trying to find the big the highest paying corporate job that I had the least amount of time pressures too so I pivoted into working for a developer in la at this point we'd, we'd made the transition back to la in in early 2014 and I said look I'm I'm gonna go and I've got a skill set that I know that they want if I'm going to have to be I want to be surrounded by real estate 24/7 in my day job and in my um, in my side hustle so I went and got a job for a developer and and, and, and that sort of helped me exponentially grow even more because I was in the business of working with this large developer in LA, building high-end luxury multifamily apartments, having a skill set coming from structural engineering that I could project manage these things. And so all of that was sort of this perfect storm. And this happened over three or four years, building the podcast, doing small deals on the side, working for a developer, getting that credibility, getting that hustle, and then eventually going out and breaking up and doing my own deals uh, over that period of time. So, so yeah.
2: You have a, you have a great way of breaking down story and being linear, but, but still yet abstract and also threading in, uh, lessons learned. So that's kudos to you, brother, because that's, that's, you're making a great interview. Anyone who's listening, who's gotten this far, thank you. Um, and also you're, you're gaining a ton because, because Reed Goossens is a brilliant mind with a ton of um, experience that we can all learn lessons from. And I highly recommend you you jump into his book, whether you're from the U.S. or not. Uh, Investing in the U.S. Is, is, is a wonderful read, as well as your is your new book, which you signed for me, right? The 10,000 uh, Miles uh, to the American Dream. Great titles, by the way. Uh, I love your target audience. Um, so I, I, I wanna get into that because your, your personal brown is tight and and me being a branding guy and having a media agency and and always pushing you know especially when I do talks about personal brand and how critical it is for you to scale your business and for people to to know who the hell you are right and make it memorable um that that what you're doing and what we're doing is essential to you it's a it's, it's a major component to the overall scheme and the overall fabric of what are your what your business is so when you realized that, and it sounded like the podcast was one of the early pieces of that puzzle, um, can you talk about how you committed to it because it is a commitment, right? And and how it started to evolve uh, you as a person and then eventually your business?
1: Yeah. So the podcast was a very... I don't know. I always forget the brain, whether it's reptile brain or monkey brain. It was one of one of the one of the scared brains <laughs> back there. But it's 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 constantly something that you're like, am I worthy enough to put this content out? Like that is the constant fear we always have as. People putting ourselves out there wanting to shine a light on ourselves and, and particularly coming from Australia with the tall poppy syndrome, the whole like don't, you know, don't rough, rough uh, shake the boat, you know, just just, just just do your thing and, and, and don't boast about anything, right? Like there's very much how I was brought up. But they're also coming to America. I had this story. I had this thing that I that I did. It was cool. It was like people were interested when I spoke at networking events. Oh, wow, you've got an accent. Where are you from? Oh, well, I moved here. You know, chasing a girl and you know, got a job and blah blah blah. Like, wow, that's awesome. Like, and I just thought, well, screw it. Like again, back to that sort of regret mindset of like well if it doesn't work i'll turn it off (laughs) you know what i mean like i can just go delete it and in the beginning it probably was just my mom and my grandma listening to it but i gave myself permission to go out and talk to people about the journey and that was really important and crafted a story around the lessons that i was learning along the way and that was all it was and then through that i was able to open doors and you talk about the morphing piece like today four and a half years in two over 200 episodes in it is my it's nearly like a mentor to me, like getting on these shows. And and I know I'm on your show, but you've been on my show talking to other folks like yourself who are operating at a certain frequency that I want to operate at. It was nearly like my own, you know, surround yourself with the five people you you aspire to be. This is what the podcast has now turned into. And, And I don't make any money off my podcast and I probably should. And, it, my business is more in the real estate syndication, and but I do it because it gives me the juices inside. It gives me the juices to inspire people to to open other doors. And that's the thing that I think the biggest lesson in life is for me is that with the uncertainty piece of who I, I know who I am, understanding that if you work really hard now and a door opens and just walk through that door and just don't, don't worry about what's on the other side of the door. Don't worry about what the, the consequences are going to be, but the door is open. So doing this podcast has opened so many doors and those doors have led to, I wouldn't even I can't even think of the ROI that I've how many investors I've got from it how many deals how many incredible opportunities but it was about putting you had to stay I back myself and I'm going to put myself out there and I'm going to be vulnerable and I'm going to you know I'm in trust me those first couple episodes were probably blabbering on and very unorganized but you refine your craft over time and it becomes something that has been such an a crutch for me as I've grown as a real estate investor, as a business owner, as a leader, as an entrepreneur, because it opens my mind to so many different things. Now I interview people on so many different topics from creating businesses to business culture to understanding how to flip actual physical businesses, not necessarily just real estate. Um, and it just—it was just a, it started, it was a crack that's now turned into a massive ca- uh, ca- uh, um, um, ca- ravine and the water's flowing through it, and it is so freaking incredible in terms of the people that I've met and, and the opportunities that, that have come from the podcast. So I, I know I've talked a lot about podcasting, but it is such a thing that has crafted me into the person who I am now am today and who I'll be in 10 years' time. So, so yeah.
2: Yeah, I, I, I love everything you said. Um, 100% agree with all of that. I I mean, there's so many rabbit holes I can go down <laughs> um, in terms of what you said there. Um, but I want to also highlight the fact that uh, people who are thinking about podcasting or considering, you know, committing to a brand and putting yourself out there, like Reed said, uh, documenting the journey is also a piece of it. So now um, our children and our children's children will be able to go back and listen to the first episode of when you first started. You didn't know what you were doing. You're trying to figure things out. And the person that you are episode 400 in, where you know you' you're, you're syndicating, you're putting you're, you're pulling millions and millions of dollars to put these massive deals together. I mean, to listen from day one and watch that story arc unfold um, is truly amazing that we're living in a time where we have that opportunity and people actually give a crap uh, where they're they're listening, you know, And
1: here's the big thing it all comes down to you've you got the brand, you've got the, the 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 balls to go out and do it. You know, what the big thing comes down to is consistency. So once you've started, you have to be consistent. And, and you, you asked a question earlier, committing to it and commitment to it. And, and I remember my wife or girlfriend then saying like, it's so much time. It's like, yes, it is so much time, but I'm committing to it because I know that the doors are going to open from it. And it, it's, again, it's, I'm I'm letting go of what's going to happen after those doors open, but it was something that I was committed to, to know that it was going to be a a really good foundation for my business to grow off or to, to be a launching pad for the next, you know, 10, 20 years. Now the podcast might not be around for that long, but it got me started in terms of it got the ball rolling down, down the hill. So, so yeah.
2: You also said something uh, and I want to highlight, and I'm sure you, you, you 100% agree. will agree with this is you, you said that you don't make money podcasting, which at all, depends on how you look at it right so you mentioned how all these opportunities and doors have opened and people that you've met and partnerships and deals that you you know became a part of as a result of building the brand and starting a podcast so yes you make money i make money we all make money through our podcast but not in the traditional sense that people assume you know, through sponsorships, and you know the Joe Rogans and Tim Ferris's of the world make their money, um, but they started the way we did. It's it's interesting how podcasting, and 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 I'm I'm not just uh, talking about podcasting. I'm talking about all the pieces. That's one spoke on the wheel of your marketing, and it's critical to have many spokes and many different avenues to market and present yourself to people as a trustworthy guy. Reed and I wouldn't be friends if we didn't have podcasting, right? I, you wouldn't have flown all the way from LA and I wouldn't have met you in New Jersey and 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 seeing and and finding all the wonderful things you're doing and the people that you met while we were together networking. You know, it's, it's just this massive halo effect um, that is just truly difficult to explain to people who don't do what we're doing or don't take advantage of their networks. So um, thank you for all of that and for highlighting all of that. Um, man, you've said a, a ton of other little things that were so quiet and seated in there. Like I, I, we could make a whole episode based on flipping businesses. I mean, I am so into that. Um, I, don't, I haven't done it yet. It's sort of like with real estate, you know, where there's some trepidation and fear behind never doing it. But I, I know that is in my future because very much like real estate, there are businesses out there that are distressed that are owned by a mom and pop and you and I as business owners know how to implement systems and processes and teams to make things efficient. And it's the same thing. We add value
1: and then we sell it and we helped someone out of a situation. And here's the thing, right? Real estate is one vehicle and it's it's a vehicle that you use to learn numbers and you learn business Best practices, right? You just talk about adding value, creating NOI shift, creating best practices, creating systems, creating operating systems, creating all these great things to pa- to package it up to then on sell it. You can apply that literally to a physical business as uh, sorry to to a, to a business that is like a mom and pop. Um, so real estate is just one vehicle that you can use to create wealth Um, what i truly believe now after being in this business for so long is wealth creation does come from it can come from it does come from real estate and and as you know cycles ebbs and flows but where it truly makes sense and make where it makes long-term wealth is business ecosystems where you've created a business whether it be from podcasting into real estate investors, into an actual real estate business, into a property management business, into a construction management business, and they all feed on one another. That is where I truly, truly believe long-term wealth is created because you're not relying upon acquiring deals, which is one leg or one spoke of, of the wheel. You have all these other ancillary income profit centers that can keep you going. And it just, all of a sudden that that snowball effect, well, one feeds the other and it's gonna keep feeding one another and just goes on, you can step back and well, I've created an ecosystem now businesses and my job's done, you know what I mean? Well, not done, but it's, you've created something. And that's where it's really important to understand business ecosystems are super important to any business, not just real estate investing. And we speak about podcasting here and books and personal brand, but that is just one part of the the, the ecosystem that feeds into the other parts.
2: Yeah, so, that's yeah. that's beautiful. Thanks for high- highlighting that. Um, because you can either do that by design, which is difficult to because you need to look at the 10, 30,000 foot level and sort of to map that out. Or you could do sort of what happened to me. It, it happened organically because as, as you build business, what happens is people start to recognize and come in to help. And then um, the market starts to ask for more things as a result of what you're doing saying, Hey, Reed, I didn't realize, you know, you did X, Y, Z. You're doing it for your business, but you're not thinking about productizing and packaging it up for someone. You're like, okay, I'll help you out. And then all of a sudden helping someone out becomes a business. And then it's a beautiful thing when you start to do it and you realize wow this business ecosystem as you called it um is is powerful because you're helping yeah. more people it allows us to help more people which is ultimately the goal um took me a long time to get there Reed, to realize that uh, you know rising tide lifting all boats you know abundance mindset is is really really the the secret that people talk about
1: and, and trust me Eric i did not design them my my i'm exactly the same way it's organic growth that you you look at someone else and okay, I think the only skill set that I really have is the ability to observe someone. And say okay, what skills can I take from them and put into my own business to create this ecosystem? You know, it just it's organic and it just you're doing whatever comes in front of you. So love it, so do, love yeah. it. <laughs>
2: um, so b- before we wrap up, I do want to talk a little bit about your current business. Um, what you're looking for, what type of partners um, that you know maybe listening that want to do a deal with you or or get to know you before they take that next step. So 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 tell us about your your company and, and all the wonderful things that you guys do.
1: Yeah, so I'm the co-founder of Wildhorn Capital. We are a multifamily syndication operator. And that is where we make our make our, our real money, and, and we have investors that come along and we partner, you know, on deals. So if anyone doesn't know what the syndication model is, it's simply uh, think of it like a, an airplane <laughs> flying from LA to New York City. If if me Reed Goosen's was to hire it by myself a Boeing seven four seven, it cost me a lot of money. But if I was to split it up with two or three hundred other passengers, then we can all enjoy the journey um, from from point A to point B. And it's in, in this analogy, it happens to be from. Um, not you know, creating from nothing to creating wealth. And so we go out and buy large commercial uh, multifamily units. Uh, we have about a hundred, uh, so we have 1900 units under management right now. It's about a quarter billion dollars in value uh, in, the, in the Texas region. Uh, and we, we offer uh, to accredited investors only um, to come and want to partner with us. So if people are interested to get involved in real estate syndication, they want to be a real estate syndicator one day, a really great step is to be an LP, a limited partner in one of these deals to, to get to understand the ropes a little bit. And then maybe hopefully that's a, a springboard into being your own operator uh, someday in the future. So so really, we are a commercial multifamily operator uh, first and foremost.
2: That's awesome. I've never heard that analogy that's a good the, one, man.
1: The plane analogy. The you plane like is
2: perfect because then it even speaks to the GP versus the LP. Yes. And, you know, yes. you're, you're, you and you and the GPs Co-pilot are in the car. Co- oh, it's brilliant. <laughs> it's brilliant. You want to get on the ride? You just sit back and relax as an LP? Yep. Oh, mm-hmm. I love it. I love it. Mm-hmm. And then you have the people who are operating or going up and down the aisle. Hey, can I get you some chips, some dry soda? Yep.
1: That's or, or you've got the people in first class who who, ah. who are KP's. Or, oh, you so know, good. <laughs> So good. You mind if I borrow that? Yeah, go ahead, man. It's yours. <laughs> I'll give you
2: credit. I promise. Awesome. awesome. That is good stuff, man. Um, so yeah, 1,900 units, 200, a quarter of a million, man. That's impressive. Um, so... Obviously, systems teams, uh, you're, you're focusing on in, in the Texas area. What what type of markets over there are you? Yeah,
1: so my business partner lives in Austin, Texas. He's born and bred. Uh, and, and we have we started, we cut our teeth in San Antonio uh, and we've done some co-GPing in Dallas. But the majority of our, our Wildhorns portfolio is in San Antonio and Austin. Uh, our thesis now is really doubling down on a place like Austin, Texas, where it has true growth to ride out a downturn. Um, following where the jobs are going, understanding different, looking at, at, at now deals in a different light—not just you know throwing lipstick on a pig, you know, not putting you know five to ten thousand dollars a door in and trying to get a hundred to two hundred dollar rental bumps. It's it's understanding okay, maybe in the next downturn or next cycle, it might be a redevelopment play. Um, looking at opportunity zone deals, looking at different types of deals in order to be different and 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 extract the value that other people might not be seeing. So we really believe we're investing in in markets where supply is tight but demand is high and, and so those markets you know like Austin, Texas, um, where really value of dirt is trading for as much or more than say downtown Los Angeles. so it's that's it's shifted in terms of a market into a truly a coastal city uh, tier one market with you know which is on the on the world stage. love it so, so, love yeah.
2: it love it. so what are what are some of those? Um, you can either give tips. Uh, to our audience as we wind down here, um, you know, if if there does come an economic shift or correction or, you can give that advice through what you plan to do. What do you and your business uh, and your partners plan to do?
1: Yeah, look, I th- don't get me wrong. I think starting in today's uh, economy is different, a little bit different to when I started back in 2012, 2013. I'm um, not going to address the elephant in the room. But in saying that, to your point earlier, uh, there's always going to be things happening. There's always going to be um, economic shifts and all that sort of stuff. So how do you as an entrepreneur, as, an, as a real estate investor, f- find those deals? And it might be a little bit harder now to find deals that are, that are worth it, but you have to be persistent with it. And so setting up your systems in place to underwrite deals, underwriting a lot of deals, uh, do, if you're investing out of state, so you live in Jersey or you live in New York City, but you're, you're trying to buy in Florida, well, you have gotta be underwriting deals consistently, uh, looking at deals week in, week out, understanding what makes a good deal, right? Not just saying, okay, well, I'm not gonna double, if, uh, if I can't double my money in three years, this is not a great deal. That might not necessarily be the way to look at it, and and so changing your mindset, set, mind shift set, mindset shift, what return expectations are really going to be like in the next ten years, because the last ten years were so unique, and they're going to be so different to the next ten years. So understanding what value is and how to get a good ROI on your money with real estate investing, whatever you do, it doesn't come anything from wholesaling to flipping to buying larger apartment communities you need to understand what's the next 10 years going to be like and how do you make sure you are going to ride out a recession. So not over leveraging, um, making sure you're adding value to a property, not just buying something that someone else has already added the value to. It's really, really important. Um, and making sure you're in the path of progress. I think that's there's a super important key metrics to understand and not just from a superficial level. Get into like what the city's investing in. Are there any sort of transportation, you know, corridors coming down the way that you could invest in and around because they're going to be great in five, 10 years time. Those sort of things, changing the mindset of the the next 10 years is going to be different from the last 10 years, I think is going to be super important to keep you going as a real estate entrepreneur uh, and buying deals in, in, in the future.
2: Brilliant, brilliant. Well, thanks so much for sharing all your knowledge and your experience, Reed. I truly appreciate you and your time. Um, I'm sure. I mean, this is this is going to be a stellar episode. So I'm going to make sure everybody knows it exists and everybody um, is going to benefit. Because oftentimes, um, you know, you're 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 listening to someone else's story on your wonderful podcast, um, but your audience doesn't often get an opportunity to listen to you and your story and all the things you just shared today. So hopefully, they'll benefit as well. Um, but yeah, thanks again, brother. And I appreciate you and, uh, and everything you do.
1: Thank you so much for having me on the show. It's been an awesome episode.
2: That's it for now, folks. If you'd like to stay in touch with the show, you can contact me directly at Eric at onairbrands.com. That's Eric E R I K at onairbrands.com. And if you aren't already subscribed to the show, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, or any other podcast